Hello and welcome to Be The Wolf. I am your host, Jenea Barnes. Many people struggle to be the fullest, biggest, truest versions of themselves. They bend to fit into other people's ideals of who and what they should be. They tame their brilliance to avoid judgment and gain approval. A long time ago, people attempted to tame the wilderness of Yellowstone National Park by eradicating predators. Taming the wilderness collapsed the ecosystem. But there's hope. In the mid-90s, 41 wolves were introduced into the park and with this, the ecosystem replenished itself and flourished. The wolves did nothing but be exactly who they are meant to be and do what they were born to do. So I say to you, be the wolf. Hello, hello everybody, and welcome to this episode of Be the Wolf. I am here with Carrie Reinagel, and I'm super excited to have this conversation. We're going to talk about marriage and kids being the key to happiness. I know so many women or brought up. You're supposed to get married. You're supposed to have kids. It's the thing that you are supposed to do. And so many women were brought up to think, well, maybe I'll have a career, but I've got to be careful. And maybe I don't want to put my all into it because I'm just going to have to give it up when I do marriage and kids. And it's like, we've been brought up to believe collectively that you have to choose one or the other. And I'm of the mindset that you can have it all. <laughs> and Carrie is here with us to share her story. She spent a lot of her life waiting for when she was going to get married and have kids. But before we dive into her story, Carrie, what do you want to tell us about what you're up to, what you used to be up to. Tell us a little something about you to get us started. Okay, great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Nice to be here. So let's see. Just who I am in general is I'm a stand for unlimited aliveness and world peace in our lifetime, which is a, a vision big enough for me to live into for my whole life. So that's nice. I'm a big fan of being a service. I am committed that all people are seen and heard. And I like to do that through holistic business coaching and various service projects. And yeah, I did think that I was going to get married and have kids and then ended up having a wellness company for 21 years instead. So here we are. It's a new day and every day is a new day and nice to be here. Thank you. Thank you for that. I just want to touch because you said something so important. You said it's a vision that I can lean into and live into for my entire life. And one of the things that is so important, people talk about purpose, like a greater purpose. And we're talking about this marriage and kids thing and a lot of women were brought up to believe or they do believe that their purpose is marriaging kids. And we, of course, hear about the empty nest syndrome where the kids grow up and they leave the nest and then the mother gets very like depressed 
And part of that is because her purpose, if that was her purpose, is gone. So it's really important, you all, when you choose a purpose, a vision for your life, to pick something really big that's bigger than you and your family. Because to be happy, human beings actually need a problem to solve. And we want to work on good problems. We don't want to work on little micromanaging, gossipy, like, oh, this person said this kind of problem. We want to work on something bigger and grander. And so when you have a higher vision purpose that cannot be solved, you always have a good problem to work towards. True. Yeah. Yeah. That can encompass your whole world. And yeah, just I think, like you said, we need something to live into and something to grow toward. Otherwise, I feel like the opposite happens and just kind of shrink back get habitual (laughs) and sedentary maybe and so when you you started a company you were hoping to get married and have kids that was was that the vision you were leaning into then oh yeah for sure (laughs) I didn't really uh consider my future holding anything other than that oh so I literally started my company so that I'd have something to do until I got married and had kids. And then, you know, I looked around 10 years later and I was still running the business. (laughs) And then 15 years later and just, you know, relationships are just never really my strong point. So it just kind of uh, has been my my area where I've had a lot of work to do on myself. Um, But yeah, I tried to force a lot of partners into so that they didn't apply for and just be like, no, but we're going to do this, you know, <laughs> it's like so not aligned with who I actually was. And it just took a long time for me to discover that. But in the meantime, I got to grow and expand this beautiful holistic business. And we provided our, and it still exists today, wellness and spa services to residents and high-end hotels. And I just learned so much about the world and took a lot of classes and just really grew myself and my understanding of self, teamwork communication inside of that. So I'm happy with what I built and I'm also happy to be complete with it now. Uh, I'm proud that I built a company where people would stay a long time and then let me know how happy they were to stay. So that to me is just a measure of a good a good place. Now that I've completed that, I get to take on new projects and I'm excited about those and just having a whole new iteration. I'm about to turn 50, so it's a whole lots of lots of brand new things. It's great. so funny. You remember when we were growing up? I'm 49, so when we were growing up, this idea of 50 was like, oh my goodness, you're so yeah. old. You're just yeah. waiting to retire. You're like oh. so far away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I now I s- like, yeah. sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> good. Good. What just did you that, just that it would be 2023 when I turned 50 and like, just that number seemed like so far away. And it's like, oh my God, here we are. <laughs> right? Yeah. Here we are. And so many women and men are stepping up to the plate and doing really great things in this second half of their life. So it's not over for those of you that are a little older. We have a lot of time that after. Average life expectancy now is 83 years old. 
So we got a good 30 more years of doing and making and creating and all of that. So when you were building this wellness company and you did it because you were waiting, what did you think was going to happen if you met the right one and you got married? Were you going to give up the company? What was your what was your tentative plan in your mind? I always wanted to be a homemaker. I love beauty and nurturing. So for me, I guess I thought that I would naturally like switch over to that. In time when that partnership didn't surface, I got to give myself all of those gifts and to create a beautiful home and nurturing spaces and to enjoy taking care of people inside of that. So I think it's hard to say what I would have done, but now there's no way that I would have just a relationship. Like I just like creating and I like working and I like having my own identity, even though I love to rest much more than I like to work. There's just so much that's possible out there. So many great things that we can create art, really. So I think, yeah, now I would never, I would just always have my own thing going on for sure. Right. The background, I don't know. I might've just been like, la, 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 and gone into the marriage and kids thing, which I'm sure that would have been great too. And now I'm really happy that that's not where I ended up as I feel like there's so many other places I can then share my maternal energy and so many other people I can nurture because I'm not tied down to one or two beings. So I'm very grateful for that. Well, and even your company that you created was tied into that nurturing, tied into that caring for. So it it sounds like there's a piece of, of that aspect that, of course, you know, when we're little girls growing up, the first model of that that we see is through motherhood and marriage, potentially, if we grew up in a in a household that had a cohe- a relationship that was hopefully working. So that's the first like example that we see of this nurturing and caring for. So it, it sounds like maybe there was a thread of that all in maybe in your purpose. Mm. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I, my mom had 10 kids, so I was around a lot of family <laughs> and we had a good, we had some kids that had hereditary illnesses as well. So there was a lot of caretaking that went on as well. So that example was definitely there. Now I just get the best of both worlds. I get to be independent and creative and, and enjoy, you know, all of those other feminine ways, I guess. They could be masculine too, but I enjoy them as a female. <laughs> so 10 kids, one of 10 kids, do, you know, one thing that I see sometimes is if we didn't get quite enough of the nurturing and care that maybe we needed, because I mean, what parent can actually give a child that much nurturing and care when they're wrangling 10 of them? That it it sometimes becomes so important for those of us that experience maybe not as much of an abundance of that care that we really want to shower that care on other people. Mm-hmm. Definitely spent many years doing that. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? Oh, yeah, me first. Oh, yeah, me first right here. 
is where I can focus and, and give my love and care. It's really easy to, as a yeah. woman, and I mean, you know, I was raised in a codependent environment. So like, that's my first nature is to be like, well, what do you need? So yeah, it's definitely a long journey, but such a worthy one, you know? Right. And when you were, you know, you said that relationships were not your strong suit. What was it specifically about relationships versus creating a business? You know, some ways they have mere issues that come up. I know a lot of times when I'm working with pe people on their career issues and we heal and take care of some of those issues, their relationships start getting better and their relationships start changing. Uh, what were the things that showed up in relationship that were somehow manageable in career? It's mm, a good question. I think I grappled with a lot of trauma. I had a lot of stuff go on and, um, to unravel all of that inside of me was easier to do. I mean, it was less triggered inside of a, you know, a professional environment, but that's a, that's a big part of it. You know, while to sort through all of that and to teach myself about all of it as well through various means, but business is less emotional. I mean, it, definitely being a woman in business is still a thing. It's still different than being a man and being around men all the time. But it was, for me, uh, just such a great learning curve. I got to really grow in my understanding about how people work. And so in a way, it, you know, was a relationship, but without all the intimacy, really, as much intimacy. Yeah. One of the things that I really notice about career versus especially romantic relationships is in career, they're set in their... <laughs> hopefully, are some set-in boundaries, right? There's the days you go to work, the days you don't, hopefully. <laughs> there are people that go home. They're not there with you always. They're not sleeping in your bed. You, yeah. in theory, don't talk about certain things. And you leave. In many ways, it's much more controllable because there's these lines of expectations that are very clear and you trade following those expectations for a paycheck. So it's right. not as complicated as a relationship. Mm -hmm. And as an entrepreneur, I got to create the world of it. So everything was to my specifications. So that's good. <laughs> so you had to, you got, you had to have, you got to have control over it. Yes. I mean, that is the key word there. Right? <laughs> I was a sole proprietor for a reason. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. There are, I mean, I had one of my podcast guests and some of my clients, they'll like lean into starting their own business because they want to have control and, and they don't want to actually have somebody else being the dictators of what they can and cannot do. Yeah, that was one of the biggest lessons that I learned in my first first seven years of business. I worked 12 hours a day, seven days a week. I answered every call. I dealt with everything, which was true for all of my 21 years. But it was after that point that I learned about teams and teamwork and that I don't have to learn everything in order to be able to apply it. And I can actually trust other people and build structures for accountability and communication and relatedness so that, you know, they're 
not to not be able to to not have to do it alone was a big lesson that I got and to actually let go of that control and to know that no one ever would do it exactly how I would do it, but we could get it pretty darn close um, by again creating you know a vision that they could live into, which really was wellness for everyone on the planet. So that meant wellness inside of our work environment, wellness inside of our communication, their own wellness, like you know making sure that everybody's eating and hydrating and resting and so it was really pervasive and just a great learning curve. I loved it. It was fun. Well, and one of the things that I hear in that too is that you were creating like your business had a value. It had a mission. And a lot of companies, when they have values, they maybe have a mission, they have this statement. And they want you to abide by it, but as a whole, as a collective, they're not exhibiting and letting people exhibit the values of the company throughout their entire, throughout their entire life. It's like, oh, this is what we're working towards, but you know, you don't matter. So a lot of people have these outlines of their values and structure that they're trying to create in their business. And yet they're not actually living them. So it mm-hmm. sounds like you were really trying to live that value through and through and have it infiltrate every aspect of your company. Very much so. I'm a big fan of servant leadership, which to me means that we're all working side by side for some agreed upon goal or vision. You know, I don't hierarchy to some degree, I think is is helpful in some situations, but generally speaking, you know, and I also, I didn't know anything. I, I didn't go to school for business. I went to school for psychology and <laughs> I never wrote a business plan. It just kind of really evolved. And I kept saying yes and kept looking at how I can do it better and better. And, and it worked itself out, but um, oh, I forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> That's okay. It's- oh. Just that it just was an organic creation that, you know, I wanted to build with other people, other minds and other hearts, because I knew that I am just one. And that's the great part about teamwork is we don't have to know everything. We just have to have people on our team who are interested in finding out or or helping us find out. And so I really like that part of how my business developed and how I coach people today is to just not do it all alone. You know, be the wolf, but don't be the lone wolf. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Work together as a pack to create yes. the things that you want to create. Now, yeah. you're building this business and you're building it from a heart centered place, which is beautiful. And you're still waiting oh. for marriage and kids. Yep. I was still really sad and didn't feel valid and didn't feel that my life had begun. And it was, it wasn't that fun at all. (laughs) So much grief over that. And what was it the, when you say grief, right? It's a grief is always about loss. It's about expectations. And Mm -hmm. what was it that you expected that, marriage and kids would give you that you didn't have? I thought it would give me identity and a place to belong. I feel like even now, I, uh, I still feel like 
I've never really been in a place where I felt like at home, like grounded. We moved around a lot when I was a kid. And so, yeah, I think that that sense of family, the sense of being grounded, I think is what I felt was missing. And ultimately I did find that in myself, but I was really craving that for a long time. And then there's the whole biological aspect too. At some point in your late thirties, you have this like invisible megaphone in your ear that's like, fill your womb, you're late, hurry up, you're late, do the thing. Everybody's done the thing, you should do the thing. <sighs> and it's, it's a lie really, but our biology will shout at us. Society will shout at us, our families. My family never really pressured me that one way or another, but it's very real there for a while. And then, you know, after 40, then you have, if it's not happening, you know, you have to consider how, what you're going to do. I mean, essentially it's letting go of, of a dream. Now I hadn't, I never really let go of that dream. And I think maybe one day I'll adopt or I have a few younger people who I like to be in friendship with and I'm starting a new project, uh, working with kids. So I feel like there's no, op- I mean, all of the opportunity to experience family and home and groundedness is still here for me, even though I'm well beyond, you know, society's standard format of family and children. <laughs> and sometimes what I see happen a lot is people have this dream that they're working towards or that they really want, and it will give them this thing that they always felt was missing. It's like this idea, this will fill the hole of that groundedness of that home that I always felt like I wanted and I never had it. And this will be the solution to this problem. And what I see time and time again is when you are motivated, when you have a dream that's motivated by filling a hole because there was something lacking that oftentimes that dream never happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so here is this other dream that you had, which was creating wellness, but that didn't come. It doesn't sound like that dream and that vision for that company came from a place that you were missing or lacking something in your life. It just came from this lean in towards creating something positive and good not because there was a hole. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, I I knew that I needed an income. I knew that I didn't want to go to an office and earn such a small amount. (laughs) So that's like, I guess just do it on my own. But yeah, it was more like a a revelation than something I was chasing. I was looking for something to do. But you're right. I mean, I wasn't, wasn't trying to fill a void other than just living. I didn't have a perceived void like I did with the other. Right. And so we talk about controlling, right? And controlling, like trying to, if we're trying to fill a void and we're getting involved in relationships with people that are not necessarily the right person, did you have a habit of maybe staying in relationship longer than what was, you know, maybe healthy for you? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I was definitely the hanger on her. Like, how can I change or fix myself or you enough for this to work, like to look like the picture? And it's just kind of hilarious, like how many roads I go down or like how far I go down roads that were just not going to be feasible. So, yeah, in some ways, I'm a very slow learner. It takes me a while. But, well, 
I mean, (laughs) this is such a big piece in career, in relationship. We have this thing that we want. We have this idea in our head that it's going to solve a problem. It's going to fill a void. It's going to do whatever. It's going to prove our value, prove our worth, give us identity, all these things that it could be, whether it's your job, your relationship, or whatever it is, the success. And so when things don't start going the way that we expect or want them to do, so many people start trying to control it, right? Saving, fixing, all of that. Oh, they they won't leave. I can create this if I can just control the situation and change this thing and do all of this. And next thing you know, you're contorted in some weird like position. Like if I just stay in this weird contorted spot for long enough, then I will get the thing. And then like, and you might even finally get the thing, but then you're like hunchback or something and it's not comfortable and it's not great. So there's this. Exactly. I mean, that's the big thing. People, a lot of times people show up on a first date, right? They say only the good things. And and I know within reason, we don't want to dump all our stuff on somebody the first time we meet them. But they try to, you know, they assess like, who will this person, who does this person want to be with? And you try and show up like that person. And that's a lie. Mm-hmm. And people don't like people get so mad. Oh, catfishing. And oh, the person on that dating website put up an old photo. They're liars. They're liars. But yet that (laughs) that person might be showing up inauthentic and not true to who they are. And that is another form of lying, another form of control, Mm -hmm. (laughs) kinds of things. And it doesn't usually end up giving us the thing that we want. Yep. I agree. Got to look within first. All the answers are there. There or nature. (laughs) Yeah. Nature is such a good reflection. When I'm trying to figure out something of how to unwind something, because I work with people's unconscious mind. And if there's a piece that I haven't quite been able to figure out, I always look to nature. What is nature doing? What is that? Because that is, in general, a natural flow cycle, right? The masculine of the growing and the balance of when to let go, all of that stuff is all in flow. So I do, I do a lot of looking to nature to figure stuff out. Now, it's been quite a while since you and I first chatted. And when we were connecting, you were at this point, you were out of a relationship, you had made a decision that you were going to finally create this home, this kind of home feeling that you had been chasing, that you thought marriage and kids was the answer to doing that. You were going to do it on your own, on your own terms. So tell us of what led to that transition of making that decision to lean that direction instead of making outside things try to create that feeling for you. Sure. So last year was uh, probably the biggest year with the most letting go I've done in a really long time. I let go of a, a major relationship and then also the home 
that we live in. And my dear sister passed away. And then at the end of the year, I got into a car accident and somebody broadsided me and totaled my car. So just so much letting go. And, you know, nature abhors a vacuum. Also in that space, I reconnected with some family members and friends that who I had been distant from for various reasons for a long time. And so that's been was a huge blessing. And then inside of that and the wake up call of the car accident, my relationship is kind of shifted ever so slightly into a place of so much healing and understanding and love. And we actually got engaged to be married. (laughs) Wait, so you let go of the relationship. I did. And I was ready to move to Central America and build my retreats space and build my home and just do it alone that I mean that's where that's where you you and I were when we had our conversation way back when so so you basically did the did the car accident happen after you in a class or before it was it happened actually two months ago yesterday so the night before Thanksgiving so I think it might have been you and I talked earlier than that. It was yeah, it's true. Okay, so now one of the things that I really loved about before it's like the relationship had ended; it wasn't going the way you wanted it to, and it sounded like you were going to stop trying to force it to be something oh, that yeah. it wasn't, and you know. When you talk about letting go, you said this statement, nature abhors a vacuum. For those of you that are listening, you might not really understand that. So I'm going to dive into that a little bit. It's like, you know, when you clean your closet out and it's stuffed so full, it's like overflowing. And so if you stuff a closet so full, it's overflowing. You've got to take some stuff out. But if you take it out to the point, you take so much stuff out that there's so much room in there. Imagine that stuff in there kind of gave the closet structure. So if you take everything out and there's only four or five things, the structure of the closet might kind of collapse because there's not enough to hold it together. And so in that place, You've got to put enough stuff back in to hold the structure. And when you take a whole bunch of stuff out, you get to choose what to put back in it. You can put a whole bunch of the same kind of stuff. A lot of people I know clean out their closet. And next thing you know, six months later, it looks just like it did. It's full of the same kind of crap. And it's totally overflowing again. They're just stuffing stuff and stuff until it's ready to burst, till you're forced to take some stuff out. And, but ideally, we choose to put new things in our closet. So you let go of the relationship and you let go of family members. You let go of so much and you decided to change your view it's like your motivation for home became about taking care of you it sounded like first yeah 
Well, yeah. I, I, I really wanted the companionship of partnership. I know I can do anything alone, but it's not the experience I wanted to have because I've been doing that my whole life. So, yeah, so I would say that, you know, uh, this was the first time, though, that I was just going to pick up and leave the United States and just like really go off and do it alone, <laughs> which wasn't really my top choice anyway. But I would do it because I wanted to have home. But the difference was now I wasn't going to wait for the partner first. I was just going to build the home and then let the partner show up inside of that. That was new for me. Yeah. And that's those pivot moments where instead of waiting for the thing outside of you to fill you up, you're choosing to, instead of trying to control everything around you, you're going to come in and control yourself and choose to create what you want from that place. And that's a big deal. It's a big step. And so you had this car accident. And what was the, there, there had to have been a pivotal moment with you and your partner to be your ex-partner at this time to be like, well, let's see if this is going to be different. There's, your mindset had shifted, had their mindset shifted? For sure. I think he, more than anybody, it was, it was his wake-up call. <laughs> so I think, I don't know, I feel like he and I have been dating on and off for 10 years. So it's, we're not, it's not a new thing that we've been, been working at this for a really long time. So honestly, I feel like it was just a miracle of communication and of understanding and empathy because, yeah, there's always been a lot of love, but then love is just not the only thing that two people need. The ability to communicate, the ability to be vulnerable, to be in your heart and to trust that I can take care of my heart and I can also allow someone else to take care of my heart. But I don't, I wouldn't have had that if I hadn't put in years and years and years of working on how do I take care of my heart. So when it came time for this to happen, I was ready and I've been ready. So it's just nice that it's mutual now. And now we're like, oh, cool. Now we get to finally like just enjoy each other. It's been a long, well, <laughs> yeah. And, and you're probably not feeling any kind of need to control it anymore because you get to just be oh. there together and. Yeah enjoy it and yes i mean yep. can you describe because going from that place of feeling like you're trying to control something to that place of allowing something can you describe for us what it felt like in your body before versus now because that's a big shift hmm. i think i would feel in the past a lot of lack of fulfillment depression anxiety uh, efforting, a lot of efforting, a lot of people pleasing. Again, I'm just, you know, was trying to force an outcome or get somewhere, but there was nowhere to really get to, you know, just I think that practicing of centering into one's heart and practicing listening to my inner child and what does she need right now? And if I needed a hug, I would just hug myself. <laughs> and that kind of practice is, it's, it's, it's very essential and it's, just not the one I think that's at the top of the list because where I have been externally generating, if I have safety and calm outside of me, then I can have safety and calm inside of me, but it's actually the reverse. Yeah. So not to say I don't throw my control weight around here and there, but <laughs> generally I just feel happy to be here, which is nice. Wow. Yeah. And, and that's such a big piece to realize that once 
you are the keeper. You are the keeper of your safety. You are the keeper of how loved you feel. When you realize that you can actually be the one to control all of that stuff within you, and it takes some work to get there, I'm not going to lie. But when you do that, it sets you free to be able to choose easily to allow the flow of what feels good and right, what feels expansive versus contractive. If if he were like in turn trying to control you, you probably now for coming from this new place, you could be like, oh, this is an alignment for me. Sorry. Yeah. You know, yeah. I get to take care of me first. And that's how you really know, like two people really want to be in relationship too. If they're both taking care of themselves, then that choice to be together is way, I think, way more powerful. And it goes, you know, with anything, it goes with friendships. It goes with if you're spending time with your parents because you choose to, because you're not looking for them to fulfill a need. And vice versa, the time together is so much more enjoyable. It's so much more powerful. The same with your job. If you're going there because your needs are full and you feel worthy and you like love yourself and you're, you found a job that's in alignment with what you value, it's just so much more fun. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. I think also there's a lot to be said about not resisting what is. I'm really good at resisting my resistance. <laughs> it's a party. But when I can, I did, I was reading some of Byron Katie's work last year and just taking on her perspective of, you know, loving everything as it is because it's meant to be this way. Otherwise it wouldn't be this way, you know, and there's so much in life that we don't have control over and we probably wouldn't even want it if we could, but it's so great to know that we can control how we react to anything and to just to really truly be with in love with everything just as it is it makes it so much more fun so, <laughs> it does yeah it definitely does and i, I want to you know we talked about this a little bit before when you were at that place where i'm gonna create it all on my own did you because a lot of a lot of people will do this that love doesn't work out for them and the marriage and the kids thing, that dream didn't happen for them. And then they just push so hard to the other side where they're just like, I'm just going to reject all of it. Love sucks. Men suck. Relationships suck. All of this stuff. When you were at that place where I was, you were going to create the homestead for yourself. Did you feel that kind of like big pendulum swing to the other side? Or were you just like, let me just set this down and I'm going to just take care of me? Yeah, it was more the latter. I like to do a lot of visualizing. So I would just imagine this beautiful retreat space in a tropical paradise with an amazing partner and just how good that would feel to be supportive of each other. And I was just going to march forward there, whether or not they were physically in form, but creating that as I go my intentionality and my emotions. So now I'm a love is my teacher and my, that's it's just my muse. So pretty much I, I, I have to have love as a part of my conversation and my perspectives. Otherwise I don't feel alive. I hope that answers that question. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, 
And, and it's really, it, in my opinion, it's one of the reasons you led into having success in your relationship now and success in feeling good in your heart. Because when you, when people swing one side to the other, the extreme edges are not a place of creation. They're a place, mm. I think, in a lot of instances, fear. And fear does not create, fear destroys. So, mm. <laughs> Carrie, I, I am so excited about the outcome of your story. <laughs> no. So much more to come. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, what are you up to these days? How can people get in touch with you? What projects? You said you're working on projects. Tell us all the things. Yeah, I am. We just finished our sixth episode of La Vida, the Voices of Women on Sunday night and raised somewhere around $1,000 for a women and children's shelter. And five women got to tell a story that maybe they were afraid to tell or needed to tell for a decade, finally got it off their chests. And it's just such a lovely environment to be in. And I love having the audience. I can feel their hearts opening and I see their minds opening, their, their, their eyes just light up and the kinds of conversations that follow each episode. It's just, I just love it. It's, a, it's been a great project. And what I am most excited about starting now is um, starting up a Martin Luther King Jr. oratorical fest here in Los Angeles. It's been going on in Oakland, California for the last 40 some odd years, 45 plus. There's a great documentary called We Are the Dream. It's just an hour long. And if you want to learn more about it, or you can also reach out to me via email or LinkedIn or Facebook. We can have a chat about any of those projects, or if you are interested in having coaching around how to have a holistic business or more teamwork or communication or fun available for that as well. So I also like long walks by the ocean. <laughs> so anyway, let's be friends. Let's be friends. Uh, I love that. And one of the things that really stuck out to me in your story about building your business is you created one of those positive, great work environments. And I know a lot of my people <laughs> are looking for those great positive work environments. And I just need to remind you all that they are out there. And if you potentially stop focusing on all the terrible things, you might be able to actually see and find those things. They are out there. You are proof of that. And I love that. So email is the best way to get in touch with you. Yeah, email's great. Okay, can there. you spell it for us? So, sure. Oh, so it's, it's Carrie, C-A-R-R-I-E, and then my last name, R-E-I-N-A-G-E-L at Gmail. Carrie Reinagle at Gmail. Yes. Okay, and for those of you that are looking to step into new careers, the kind of careers where you have wonderful, great bosses like Carrie, <laughs> and you want to do something meaningful, that bigger purpose we talked about in the beginning, something that keeps you going, uh, reach out to me. Let's have a call. Let's see if what I have to offer will help you get there. 
And you can go to elevatebookacall.com if you are driving. Do not do this, but otherwise open up your browser and type in Elevate Book a Call. There's a little information on that page and let's have a chat. It's free. <laughs> we get to see if you're ready and you are willing to actually let go of what you need to let go of so that you can create room in that closet. You can suck something new into that vacuum that's actually positive that you want. And I love what I do and everybody should love what they do too. <laughs> then it's play, not work. Exactly. <laughs> so on this crazy journey of yours from waiting for marriage and kids to creating a company to letting go of it all to having it somehow come back in a better, more true form. If you were good to tell your past self or the people out there some piece of advice, what would you say? Listen to yourself now <laughs> and do what yourself tells you. But you have to, you actually have to hone that skill of listening to yourself because you have all the answers. Everything that you need, you already have to get whatever you want. Mm. That's what I would say. It is so true. It is so true. And learning to listen to yourself is not so easy at first, but man, when you can do it, and we all know we've had those moments where it was so clear. It's like a voice in our head that sounded more powerful than the other voices. Yeah. <laughs> and then you questioned it. So a lot of yeah. times what happens is people will question it and they'll say it one more time and then they'll question it yeah. and then it'll stop talking because it's like, you're not ready. <laughs> or it starts shouting louder and louder. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, right there, oh. right there. But yeah, <laughs> right there. I'm so happy there are people like you in the world. Uh, likewise. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right, everybody. We will see you next time on Be The Wolf. Bye. Wow. Thank you for listening to this episode of Be The Wolf. Please take a moment to rate, share, and follow this podcast so that together we can inspire others to be the wolf.